ready. Recognize the city of champs. Boston, baby, we do what you can't. Locked on number 18, Tatum and Brown, J team. Step back, we gon' wet that and slay teams. Of course, the Celtics, who else could it be? Screaming like KG with the Larry OB. Corrales above average, assessing the team status. Best daily pod, no cap, salary matching. Clutch like Bird to DJ, keep John on replay. Primetime, dapping up the truth on the sideline. Raining Jays, how it started, raising banners, how we finished. Locked on Celtics pod, home of the winners. B. Hey there, John Corrales here from the Locked On Celtics podcast with a special edition roundtable here. Uh, the Eastern Conference kind of playing contenders, playing whatever you want to call us. Uh, here at the All-Star break, we're doing a series of special kind of where we stand in the NBA. And here is the Eastern Conference play-in folks. So here representing the Hornets, Doug Branson, the Raptors, Sean Woodley, the Hawks, Brad Rowland, and what the hell are the Brooklyn Nets doing here? <laughs> what Why I hear? This is crazy. Here? What, what, what is going on with the Brooklyn Nets that you are with us? You don't belong here. What's this? They might belong lower. I don't know. This season's <laughs> going off the rails. Like it's going, it's it's totally off the rails right now. I, I'm sure we'll talk about it. I cannot believe we're in this spot. Um, although when you look at the context of the season, I can very much believe that we're in this spot. But yeah, this has just been this is this has gone as bad as it, you could ever dream it could have gone from the very first you know tip of the season. And this is where they are, and it's you know it's hard to argue with it. Like they this is where they are in the play, and they could go lower. <laughs> this is a crazy point in the season. This is no seriously like so so this is the group of starting with the Celtics at thirty four and twenty six, uh, Raptors Nets. Hornets and Hawks, uh, all within five games of each other. So a little, a little bit of separation at the top of this group, but you know, still anything can happen. We know the reason why our teams are down here is because there's there's some sort of you know tenuous grip on on being good for for all of our teams. <laughs> so, uh, but but because the the Nets are are clear. One of these things is not like the other. The let's let's start with the Nets because obviously you're hanging your hat on the Ben Simmons trade. So we've already kind of like joked around about why you're here. We all know injuries and, and everything. Can the Ben Simmons trade fix what's broken in Brooklyn? Well, having better players play can begin to fix it. Like that's that's the like the sort of the place to start with him. Like one of the secret, one of the silly, it's not secrets. One of the problems within that season is they've been playing with just a roster of barely NBA players. Once you get past the injuries and the mandates and guys that like you know Harden that didn't really want to play near the end. Like after those three guys, the, the roster has been so top heavy that after them they were would have been the worst team in the in the league if this was the team on a day in day out basis. So adding just a guy who actually is like, you know, all NBA ish kind of guy, if you can return back to regular form for him is, a, is just a win just to have a warm body. And I know like, you'll, you know, Nets fans are joking about sort of like what Dragic is going to mean. These guys actually kind of for them at, their, at this point do sort of matter. So I think Simmons, if he can come back at even some percentage of his former self, not the guy that we remember from the Atlanta series, but like before that, that who was just, you know, a real dude. Uh, he clearly helps the team just from a talent standpoint, because really it's what it's been talent was they've been lacking. And this is why they dug this hole. They just haven't had enough horses once the big guys got injured or couldn't play. 
So let's throw this out to the rest of the group then, because basically, if even if Brooklyn stays in this in this tier, right, in that eight, nine, ten, because right now they're eighth, and if they get everybody back, this is going to be the oh crap, they are fully healthy and you know everything's working for them, even if it takes like till the last week of the season. So, do you think? What do you, the rest of you guys think? And let's start with with Doug. Uh, do you think that there's this chance that Brooklyn stays here and gets dangerous? Like, what, what do you? What's your crystal ball telling you? I mean, I certainly think there's an opportunity, but the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, by the way, Brooklyn, uh, just want to welcome you to the endless middle of the Eastern Conference. Charlotte's been here for a while. The furniture around here is is not as quality as what you're used to, but it lasts a long time. <laughs> uh, John, John said that all of our teams have a tenuous grip on being good. They also have a tenuous grip on being bad, and that's why we're here. Um, but but I think I think Brooklyn's got a shot. But they face the exact same problem that all of our teams do at this point. And that's that there are only 20-plus games left in the season, 22 for the Charlotte Hornets. And uh, they've got to do a lot of work in a short amount of time to figure things out this season. And Brooklyn, despite having a, a lot better talent uh, than Charlotte does on paper, uh, they just have just as much time. The, um, I know the Hawks and Brad, you, you kind of have a, a similar – kind of like a similar, uh, I guess, feeling as, as Doug and Brooklyn – because the Hawks, after last year's run, are you know we're, we're expecting a lot a lot better this season. Um, we heard Clint Capella talking about like, hey, you know, I don't think every, everybody took this seriously. I think everybody thought winning was going to be kind of easier. Uh, sharing a little bit, it's almost like the, the Hawks and Nets kind of share a little kinship here. Uh, what's your take on their situation? And what's your take on your situation? And can Atlanta kind of be the team that kind of puts it together? Yeah, it's it's fairly similar because of where the Hawks were thinking they would be at this point in time, and it was not here. Not necessarily quite to the same level as the Nets, who were seen as top three title contenders, but the Hawks were in that next tier down after making the conference finals. And um, in some ways, the Hawks situation is almost more maddening because for Brooklyn, you can look at the availability of players and kind of see what happened. Like Kevin Durant not being around is a pretty obvious issue. Kyrie Irving playing half the time is a pretty obvious issue, et cetera. The Hawks have been not 100% healthy all season long. They've had, they had a pretty bad COVID spell, et cetera, but they've had a lot of their guys for a lot of the season, and they're still below 500. So that's that's almost more frustrating for fans and for the team, honestly. You, you mentioned the Capella statements. They've been a little baffled, I think, about what's gone wrong, and it's not necessarily a big secret on the numbers because the defense has just been terrible this season, and it's pretty hard to be – sub 500 when you're number, number two in the league in offense that's where the hawks are right now um that math is difficult and that kind of means that you're terrible on defense and that maybe is the clearest explanation of what's transpired but i think that uh it'd be a lot easier if they could just be like you know trey young missed half the season you can just kind of point to that but that isn't the case for the hawks which is uh mm -hmm. kind of perplexing Doug nodding in agreement about being a great offense with a terrible defense. <laughs> well, the Hornets, well, the Hornets used to be that. Now they're a middling offense with a terrible defense, and that's why they've lost, uh, you know, nine of the last ten games going in. But I agree, and I just wonder. I don't know if there was, you know, there was a weird season last season, and, and maybe, uh, you know, there there was some sort of things that don't normally happen or teams that succeed in a way uh, that maybe wouldn't have normally succeeded in, in a normal year. And now we are in a normal year. And some of those things are regressing back. To <laughs> the Knicks. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> uh, uh, 
So, uh, yeah, I, like, I, I think Atlanta has fallen into kind of like every year there's a darling, and then the next year something goes like the Kings a few years ago were the darling, and then you know, the young team, and everybody's like, Yeah, yeah, we're great. And then guys want to get paid, and some guys do, and guys think, Well, I was this good before, I deserve more. And the next year they, they kind of take a dive. Brooklyn had a year like that. Um, the, I think the Hawks are having a year like that. I think Cleveland's going to have a year like that. One team that doesn't seem to have a year like that is the damn Toronto Raptors. <laughs> no matter what, no matter what, they are the, uh, the dark knight in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And you keep chopping limbs off and they're just sitting there still wanting to fight you. And, and here we are the, in this group, in this podcast, the Celtics and the Raptors are neck and neck. And I think it's two teams that might be destined to play each other in the playoffs again. And two teams that probably don't want to play each other in the playoffs again. So, you know, Sean, how much more can this, this Raptors team get out of itself? And, and is Thaddeus Young going to be a big difference maker? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I buy into the way they've played since, say, the start of December, right? Like, they're a super weird team. They have their flaws for sure, and that is mostly that they don't have any shooting on the roster. It's just, like, the, their first four guys off the bench are bigs who don't shoot. It's a weird, weird team, but they're playing well because the rest of the guys on the roster really fit together nicely. You can sort of fit those bizarro chaos agents off the bench along with Thad Young and Cam Birch, the chaos agents being Chris Boucher and Precious Achua, who you never know what the hell you're going to get from those guys. But like with Pascal Siakam playing the way he, that he has, like he's basically been their backup point guard. And with him able to play point guard, it frees you up to play huge and you can kind of get away with a little bit less in terms of traditional wing talent on the roster because you have a six foot nine dude who's playing the best basketball of his career at the point of attack, who's driving your offensive possessions. I think they've also really kind of figured out the best way to use Fred Van Vliet, who was their all-star over this past weekend, although he has not been their best player over the last month or two or even three. Like Siakam is clearly the best Raptor right now, and Van Vliet is even more dangerous because he doesn't have to create on the ball all the time. He's able to hang out off the ball and offer some of that spacing that this team so desperately needs. So, yeah, like, I, I think they're kind of playing, you know, they, they recently had a stretch where they won eight in a row, and then they did so against some really good teams. They had a stretch there where they played the Bulls, the Hawks, the Hornets, and the Heat twice, and they went seven and one in that stretch of playing all those teams in, in that, you know, eight-game window there, and then they went on and won eight in a row. Like, they're, they're a good team when they're at their best. I just think their valleys are really low, and I think they're probably lower than any of the teams in this group because it can get to a point where – their offense does sputter, and then when that happens, they can't get their defense set, which is how they create tur you know turnovers and get on the run, which is where they're so effective. It's kind of like a negative feedback loop, but it goes the other way too. And you know, I'm sure all of you 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 have seen this when they've played your teams as well. Like when they get on a run, it is like truly frightening to watch. I, I would have to imagine for their team because it's just this team of six foot nine guys flying around you don't really know what you're doing you don't know who plays which position Thad Young is basically a shooting guard on this team now like it, it doesn't make any sense but it also kind of does because they've really leaned into this formula 
And I, I think, you know, where they've played over the last little while here, they're not going to go win eight of every 10 games or anything like that. But I do think they are uh, comfortably above 500 team, a team that over the course of a full season probably flirts with, you know, close to 50 wins just because their best players really make sense and kind of allow them to have this strange roster construction around them. We'll get into the one team we haven't talked about. This guy's team, uh, which <laughs> was at the like a, a month ago, was at the bottom of this pack, and then all of a sudden is at the top of this pack after an incredible run. First, let me tell people about Bet Online. Football's done, but basketball is getting ready for its home stretch, both pro and college. So, for all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired head coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot. For all your sports betting needs, BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC, odds, and everything else. I mean, they basically have everything on BetOnline. So head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, the Boston Celtics made this wild run winning 9 of 10, and uh, I think it was 11 of 13. It's, it's, it was kind of a, a surprising uh, run for the Celtics. But the key for the Celtics rising to the, the top of this, this group for now is that they've been mostly healthy up until the Detroit game where they didn't have Marcus Smart, they didn't have Robert Williams, and then lo and behold, they kind of went back to their same old Celtics and blew an eight-point lead in the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter. So the Celtics, to me, they need to be whole. And when they're whole, they can be dangerous because Emi Odoka has come around to using eight guys, nine guys, and depending what they do on the buyout market, maybe they get lucky on somebody that can contribute. But basically, he's using a playoff-type rotation now, and that rotation works. The Celtics starters with Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Al Horford, and Robert Williams is – one of the top, if not the best, starting lineup in the NBA. They have a defensive rating that's just insane. The Celtics, since January 1st, have been very easily the best defensive team in the league. But, like I said, if you, especially if they suffer an injury to Tatum or Brown, they're cooked, and they can, they can barely kind of, I think, withstand any sort of extended injury to any one of their key players. And basically anybody that plays is one of their key players at this point. So the Celtics have earned this, this kind of run to the top with their defense. It's, it's been an elite defense. And Derek White helps that on, you know, really, really well. Uh, he he kind of slots right in, and, and, and Ime Odoka trusts him right away. He's in the closing lineup. If this Celtics team kind of stays healthy and, and continues forward, I think they can make a little bit of a push. If any little thing it it really is like the waiter with the overloaded kind of tray <laughs> and it, if you just some walk by and take one of those cups off the whole thing can come falling down it's got to be balanced perfectly so with that statement about the Celtics um let's start with this you guys have seen the Celtics like go on this run uh let's go let's go back to Doug it, does does this look from the outside does this look sustainable as we try to figure out? Because one of our teams is going to avoid the play-in tournament. And, well, assuming, assuming 
we'll say that one of our teams will it be the Celtics or will it be somebody else? Yeah, I think it's it's tough to say at this point, but uh, health has certainly been a factor in, in a lot of our situations. I think certainly the Hornets situation has been determined by health. They were missing three starters earlier in the season to uh, health and safety protocols, including LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, Mason Plumley. Uh, and and I called it valiant effort season because they were they were trying real real hard but still losing basketball games, and uh, for the past uh, few weeks they've been missing some combination of Cody Martin who's their best defender, Gordon Hayward who is um, just a savvy veteran veteran a connector on a team full of youth and inexperience, and they've been missing Jalen McDaniels who gives them length defensively and and uh, surprisingly shot making this season he's been much better offensively so they've been missing all three of those pieces. And it hasn't been valiant effort season. Uh, this this uh, you know little stretch going into the to the All Star break, and uh, that's that's you know if, if now it looks like they may be getting healthier, and so that could bode well for the Charlotte Hornets as they make their final push. So it could be the Hornets. Could be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Most All Star bump for Lamelo. You never know. Montrez Montrez will fix everything. Uh, the guy, noted noted rim protector, <laughs> here to save the day. Well, what a lot of <laughs> people don't know, <laughs> I'll give you the, the, the kind of inside skinny on that move because I think a lot of people were confused by that move because Montrez Harrell is not a rim defender. Uh, you know, helps a little bit in the rebounding, which the, the Hornets are not great at, but he's not a like a super stellar rebounder. So why did they do that? Because the Hornets could not finish at the rim. They couldn't defend the rim and they couldn't finish at the rim. Montrezl Hill right now uh, plus 22 when he's on the court versus when he's off in this short little span. So I think, you know, when you're talking about marginal differences between teams in a competitive Eastern Conference, Montrez Hill, if the Hornets get healthy, could make a difference. Okay, sure, sure. <laughs> I rest my case, your honor. <laughs> Every single one of us has a team where we can say, hey, if this happens, we'll, we'll watch out. And the other, every rest is going to be like, eh, okay, well, we'll believe <laughs> that when we see it. Except for Doug Norrie, who <laughs> has like the legitimate, like, hey, uh, we also have Kevin Durant coming back, guys. Like, let's, when it, yeah, like, when if, it, you, back. if you can, uh, he's, I think he's like probably a couple weeks away, which I mean, obviously at this point in the season is not, maybe not soon enough. Like the, where the Nets, you know, where the Nets can still hang their hats a little bit on this is that, like we said at the beginning, anything that could have gone wrong this season has gone wrong. Like this is, it's truly kind of unbelievable how many things have gone wrong and they're still hanging around. There, we're in catching a falling knife territory now because it's funny, this group that's sitting here on, in this pod is this is basically the group that the Nets face over the next seven or so games. Like they get Boston twice, they get Milwaukee once, they get Toronto on a back-to-back. Kyrie can't play in either of those games. Uh, and then they get Miami and then Charlotte on the on the eighth. And actually, I think this conversation will look a lot different after those seven games because it's going to swap around some of the standings and the Nets could honestly just lose every game. Like if, if Durant and, and Simmons aren't able to play in that stretch, we already know Kyrie can't play almost all of those games unless the mandate changes, which I don't believe it's going to in the next two weeks. Like the Nets could easily lose the next seven games straight, and I wouldn't be totally shocked. And Jeez. 
And I, which is nuts. I can't believe again. I, we warned that we warned about this on the pot right when Durant got hurt. We were like, hey, you got to start thinking about the playoffs and missing the playoffs because it felt very real at this point. The like 64% on the Raptor rating from 538 to make the playoffs at this point. This is like truly bananas territory we're in. But they are the group that, like you said, it's almost, I think in some ways, Boston, you, I don't think Boston belongs in this group. I think that you're. Like your trajectory is so different <laughs> than yeah, the Nets are right now because, because, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, 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 you got host like all of us. I want, I want, <laughs> hey, you know, I want to get Doug. There we go. Yeah, keep talking about how Boston's going to be. <laughs> well, that we got, we got like almost like a Robert Williams making like a sneaky defensive player of the year case here, like at the very end. Like, there's like a lot of stuff that there's just going different for the Celtics that are going than that some of these other teams, like for the rest of everyone in here. I, do, I get the context is different for everybody else, but I would say just where the Nets are at this point, it's like I am mentally, I can't even believe I'm saying this, I'm mentally and emotionally preparing myself for the a, a, a situation where they don't make the playoffs. I think that's very, very real in a way that in, in a way that teams like, and I think definitely fans do not want to recognize the Nets are terrible with injury timelines. They misreport everything. You can never trust a single thing they say about when a player is coming back. They've been wrong a hundred times out of a hundred um, from like what the original things are. I don't trust that any of these guys are going to come back in a timely fashion. And if it doesn't change, like they could just dig themselves a hole that they just can't really get out of. And it's a sc- and thank God the Wizards and Knicks stink because that's actually the only thing even holding it together. Uh, <laughs> thank God they, all, that's things. one thing we can all agree on on this panel. Thank yeah. God the Wizards <laughs> and the Knicks stink. I feel like I feel like Brooklyn is like Schrodinger's contender. And we are about to open yep. the box and find out whether the cat is alive or dead. <laughs> well, that's, we got to figure it out. Well, that's the whole thing. Actually, the thing is, we're just going to sit there. We're just going to, and they'll, they'll find, they, they won't make it. And then that will be like the whole philosophical question is that like, oh, it turns out that it wasn't ever alive. Like you, you believed right, in something yeah. that never really should have believed in. And we should have just known it was kind of cursed. I hate to use the curse word, but it does feel a little cursed at this point. Like they, from the very beginning, it's gone wrong and it doesn't feel like it's changing, even though they've made a bunch of moves that make you feel like it's changing but i believe it when i see it just because of how this team has sort of operated and how they've been messaging around when players are actually coming back speaking of cursed i would suggest that if any of our teams get passed by either the chris Stapps, porzingis led wizards or the <laughs> knicks uh, we should advocate for our teams to be folded on our own podcast after <laughs> i uh, yeah, sure that sounds great that sounds great I, I don't I, I Washington is technically within reach because they're you know only a game out behind Charlotte in Atlanta but th- I don't trust Washington to make any sort of run and I still believe that Charlotte and Atlanta are markedly better teams than any of those teams that are on the outside looking in um, and especially without Bradley Beal and, and the Knicks are such a mess. I don't, I don't think they're going to make up, what is it, three and a half games in in any of them. Like, it doesn't matter how much time is left. I just don't think they're going to they're, they're do that. So I still feel comfortable with this group being in there. Um, do we want to just kind of go around? I mean, I'll obviously say that the Celtics, because of their defense, I think have the best chance of this group with 20 – some odd 22 some odd games left i still think the celtics have the best chance of avoiding the play-in of of the five teams here assuming all five of 
these teams are in the plan. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a vote for Boston being the one team that avoids the plan and, and get, grabs a six seed. Do we just kind of want to go around the horn and to, to make an argument for somebody else, Brad? I I'm on Boston side, which is I, I hate saying that out loud, John. <laughs> but I I think it'd be, it would be split- hard for me to craft an argument for a team other than Boston. I mean, Toronto is right there knocking on the door, but as discussed, they're so thin that if anything goes wrong there, you're, you're playing the guys a lot, a lot of minutes. And I know Boston's thin as well, but you know, I, I think just given where the situation is, yeah, if Brooklyn had KD coming back tomorrow, uh, maybe you lean in that direction. But I think with all of the information that we have right now, I got to pick Boston. Sean? I wonder what the uh, I'm going to look yeah. up the NBA remaining strength of schedule to see if I, that I can play a factor. The Hawks could, are that, like very easy on that schedule, which uh, is one of the saving graces right now. I know that much. But, yeah, they got like the 26th, like fifth fifth easiest from here on out. Hawks. Hold on. The Raptors are road heavy for the next little while, but they finish with yeah, eight Boston, of ten at yeah, home Boston as well. tenth tenth hardest, and then Toronto. You're going to be in the back half. Toronto's on the twenty twenty fourth twenty fourth. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. I'm gonna vote Toronto. They did. They, they, they got the. Cu- I'm gonna go with the cupcakes, baby. Interface Corrales. Hey, Toronto starts with the Hornets. Um, yeah, hey, look. That's, yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's that's fair. I mean, Toronto. You, you know, you got. Yeah. I mean that that's in, in a couple of those games are against Cleveland, and I I don't trust Cleveland. You never know what kind of you know Chicago's defense is is a mess. Toronto certainly has a road. To, to win a few more games and you know the thing the thing with Boston is they get they get some of their tougher games kind of out of the way and and I, I can see that argument for sure Boston's schedule is a little bit tougher how's the tiebreaker there by the way what's that how's the tiebreaker between Boston and Toronto is as uh, who has the season series right now you guys will know this and I don't but that might that Boston... might come into play Boston, thirty-three, one Boston, or it's at least two-one Boston. I think they played a lot early in the season. Yeah, we got one more game, right? I think so. Yeah, I think it's. It, it might, I'm Boston, just saying, right? it, might, it might matter. So that that little stuff, when you're this close, it might come into play. Yeah, Monday, March twenty-eighth is uh, Raptors Celtics for yep. I guess so an even season split. Yeah, Celtics have like you got you got the first game. Scotty Barnes went nuts, and we were like, "Whoa, yeah. what is this?" <laughs> like, All right, uh, yeah. and then the Celtics came back after that. But um, yeah, no tiebreakers are going to be huge. I think moving forward, that's a great point. Um, and and look, the Celtics, the Celtics have Brooklyn come up. They have they have games against some of this competition coming up that can kind of propel them forward. The, the game Thursday against Brooklyn is a great time to catch Brooklyn because we still know KD is not coming back. We know that they're not going to be whole. And the last time they played Brooklyn, it was a not so close game. So hopefully, hopefully they can continue that again. But, but yeah, tiebreaker is going to be mean, be meaningful. So, uh, Sean, did we get your? Uh, we got we got. Well, yeah. I, 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 you know, make I, the K- I, hey, make the case for the Hornets, you coward. <laughs> I mean, if you go back in time and the Hornets get Yakub Purtle like they should have all along, then they stand a great chance. But uh, you know. They should have got my boy Yak. I don't know what to say, but no, I like. I think the Raptors stand like they're just a team that wins a lot of regular season games, right? Like they're annoying as hell. You come across teams on a random night, and, and you have this like bizarro team that tries extremely hard, almost to an annoying degree, and they win a lot of regular season games. 
I don't know what I think about their playoff chances. I, I feel a little bit better considering Pascal Siakam has played like this sort of, I don't know, top 15 player in the NBA over the last little while. He's been that good. He's turning in one of the best individual seasons for a Raptor quite literally ever. I think he right now is tied for the second best PER that a Raptor has ever put in after Kawhi Leonard. Like he's, that's what he's doing right now. PER is not everything, but it does tell you something. Uh, you know, I, I, I think the Celtics just scare me too much in terms of like the, the, the role they're on with their defense. Cause that's a team that also tries really hard and has a little bit more in terms of shot making and whatnot. I, I am really curious though, about like what you're rooting for in terms of like first round matchups for your teams. Right. Cause like I, I'm sitting here thinking, all right, if the Raptors finish seventh, that's actually not so bad because they might get the nets and Kyrie can't play in Toronto. And I like their chances against both Charlotte and Atlanta in Toronto as well. So maybe seven's fine, and you get you get you take your luck with it, whatever the two seven is in, in the first round. But like I'm sitting here thinking, like if they somehow end up in like a seven eight with Boston, I don't want any part of that because that Boston team is terrifying. That said, Boston's been stinky in crunch time this season, like a minus seven net rating. The Raptors are one of the best crunch time teams. Like I, that, you can make the argument that the matchup's nice there too. Like this is the thing. I don't know if you guys feel this too, but it just feels like the East in all of these different tiers and even you could kind of you know cross match teams from the upper tier with ours like it all feels like one big enormous game of rock paper scissors that i don't really know how it's all going to go so i don't even know if the raptors want sixth right like it, it totally depends on matchups as to where you're want to going to want to be obviously you don't want to play the play-in necessarily but uh like there's arguments that it's not maybe the worst thing in the world depending on your matchup too so yeah i, I, I that's my long way of saying i have no idea the celtics i guess i would you know because they're first right now i would probably pencil them in but i i'm not feeling terribly strongly about any of it because all these teams kind of have one thing they can kind of hold over another and potentially win a play-in or win a regular season matchup that's really important or whatever that might be i think that's an interesting point about maybe falling into the plan not so not so bad let's let's explore that in, in a minute first uh, i want to talk about built bar which is the best tasting protein bar on the market uh it's great if you're sitting here trying to like get through your new year's resolutions it's a great thing to put into your snack drawer take the candy bars out because those things are like 200 some odd calories and put in a built bar which is like 130 calories also four grams of sugar four net carbs and about 17 grams of protein that's generally what we're going to get with a built bar, go to built.com, scroll over the different flavors. They, they're not hiding anything. Go check it out there. You can see all the nutrition information, no matter what your flavor, the, the palette that you, you, uh, you're looking for, you want brownie, coconut, uh, white chocolate, uh, fruity stuff. They've got everything. If you're you got a nut allergy, no problem. They've got options for you. If you're trying the keto diet, uh, no problem. You can, you can use that. It's great. If it's a meal replacement, it's great as a, uh, something to eat after a workout. So, you know, you get the protein in if you're, you know, lifting or working out or whatever, it's, it's great for you there. Go check it out. The best part is if you go to built.com, use the promo code lock 15, you can use that promo code every single time and it works. So go sample it, try a mixed box, Try a few that you think you might like. Once you figure out what one, two, three flavors or other products that they have, they've got a ton of other products. What, what you like, go back, use that promo again, Locked15. Every single time, you're going to get 15% off at Built.com. So let's get into the, the final stretch here. Uh, there's five of our teams here and three playoff spots. So... Six, seven, eight, 
once the play-in tournament is over, which two of these teams does not make it? Okay, Sean, why don't we uh, why don't we start with you? I think I'll go. Sorry, Doug and Doug Dougs. Uh, I think I'm going to oh. go Hornets Nets. I, I Hornets. I just I don't really like. I've, the Raptors have played them a couple times recently, and I didn't feel a whole lot of fear watching those games. Unfortunately, their defense is not good enough to me. And I think with the Nets, there's just so much that has to go right for them to right this ship. And I think they're going to run out of time to either integrate Simmons in and gain back time. Like you mentioned there, Doug, like if they lose seven in a row here over this next stretch, a lot of which are against teams that they're chasing, like they're there's just going to be not enough time to make that ground back up. And I don't care who you are, or how good you are. If you're one of those nine, 10 teams and you have to play two road play in games, that's not going to go super well, especially if one of them for Brooklyn is going to be in Toronto, right? Like it's just, I don't know. They are too much of a sort of hypothetical for me right now to really pencil them in. And, and I think the Hawks, as much as they, they've been a disappointment, you know, watching the Raptors and their strange, you know, experiment lineup all the time. I, I just, I, I'm refreshed watching the Hawks because it's just, oh, this is a team that makes sense. It has forwards and wings and centers and point guards. And it all is just <laughs> a team that is normal and helps my brain feel at ease. <laughs> and I think they're good. Like Trey Young's really awesome. I, I think they, there's something in there that hasn't quite been tapped into yet that I, you know, I think they've kind of flirted with recently that I, I think they'll probably climb up here and rattle off some wins to close. And yeah, I would say Celtics, Raptors, Hawks in, in some order would be six, seven, eight. Brad, do you feel confident in your Hawks joining this group? Uh, relatively. I think that it would be nice if they didn't have the terrible start uh, to have to overcome. I think if the season just started over, I'd feel a lot better about where they are, but there is that deficit in play for them when compared to like the Raptors or even the Nets right now. Um, I, I don't think that I would pick the Hawks to fall behind Charlotte. Sorry, Doug. Um, but it's kind of hard to also find that team to jump over too. And maybe it is the Nets because of the, of the Durant question. And we, we talked about it a number of times, but if Durant was out for three more weeks, I think you could probably feel pretty pessimistic about the Nets. Um, but if he's back sooner than that, like who knows, um, and that's the team you have to circle just because of where the Hawks are on the standings and same thing with the Hornets, you know, being four or four and a half, five games back of Toronto and Boston with 24 to play. That's a huge, even if you, even if I thought the Hawks were better than those teams, that's a huge, huge gap to overcome in that short of a period of time to just go out and fly out, project that. So I think if you're the Hawks, you have to, you have to think that you're better than, than Charlotte and you have to hope that Brooklyn stays in their tumble. That's the most logical way to get them in the playoffs. Doug Norrie, everyone's targeting you. <laughs> he opened the door. To be, to be fair, he, he opened the door by saying no, they were Oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not confident. Huge, there's a huge Doug bias on this whole podcast. This, this, is, anti <laughs> this is like the no, the no Bart's club. In the, this is the no Doug's, no Doug's allowed. Yeah, I'm not confident because I'm realistic. Like there's been like it's only been realistic from the very beginning here with this team. It's been off the rails, like you said. Um, they have such a wide um they have such a wide gap in outcomes here, like the truly stunning degree, because if they're fully healthy, you could put them in the championship contender because they have Durant. And like when you have Kevin Durant on your team, you as long as everyone else isn't a total JV player, like you have a championship like outlook. Right. Um, but 
like we said, like already the hole they've dug plus the upcoming schedule, plus the other problems they have, like it's just very hard to still be confident in this without clear timelines around the coming back. So I am not confident. I think Boston's totally hundred percent safe. I think Toronto's hundred percent safe. Like I think that those teams are like Boston. I if we do this, I, we'll do this podcast. If we did this in three weeks, Boston, you wouldn't even be in this tier. I'm a hundred percent sure about that. You're going to, it'd be some, it'd be someone else in Corrales's place. Um, <laughs> but they, they're, the way that the nets are just set up right now, this upcoming schedule, you cannot feel confident about it. And short of, I'll, I'll, I'll switch that immediately if they change the mandate like this week, which there's like some chance at. And there's, if that were to change this week or in the next 10 days, I will, ch- I will flip my thinking a little bit because getting Kyrie, like the, the above replacement level stuff that you get from him over at the next person would make up a little bit for the Durant piece. But, Short of that happening, if we're like two weeks out from some of these other players playing, I just don't know how you as a net fan you can feel really confident about not at least having to play two playing games. If not, praying to God, Washington does not just go into the tank or the Knicks like keep trying and like eke out some games with their terrible team. So I think there's just too many there's just too many ways for this to go wrong. That's people aren't going to want to hear that, but beating this drum and it's been right up to this point. Like it's gone bad, and it, there's just it's hard to see the hope on the horizon. The complete lack of faith in Toronto Raptors legend Goran Dragic to turn this season <laughs> unbelievable. I, I like it. I the move's great. Like it's a great move by them. It's like just the kind of guy they needed. He hasn't played since November. Like I, so I, it's I the part where <laughs> the part where Nets folks think they just brought you know peak Steph Curry into the door, which is how you the, how this has been sort of framed for the team. It's a great move, and you will take them every single time. And great on Nash for being able to talk them into it. I mean, Goran Dragic, who ha- again hasn't played in three months, like he's going to be the guy that like vaults you into playoff contention after you have a, you know, you, this kind of like JV roster. I just I don't see it. I, I love the move, but I just I just can't see him as this like complete X factor that turns them into this winning team overnight if it's just him. Yeah, I mean, speaking of drums being beaten the entire season, uh, the the one drum that I've been beating on on the Hornets on Locked On Hornets is that Charlotte came into this season without an NBA level big rotation, and I thought it was malpractice if they were serious about making the playoffs and actually winning a playoff series for the first time since you know b- before uh, they they left for New Orleans. And, and then they got off to a great start. A young team started to play with pace. We're shocking some teams offensively that weren't ready for that. Started to pile up some wins. And I thought, okay, well, maybe maybe they can make a move at the trade deadline, bring in a big, and, and then really get serious about making the playoffs. And then COVID happened, and they fell, they fell behind the pace a little bit um, in the Eastern Conference. And, and then Mitch Kupchak, the general manager of the Charlotte Hornets, decided not to make a move at the trade deadline to fix the one glaring issue that they have, the one that would really, I think, prevent them uh, not only from winning a playoff series at this point, but from being competitive in, in a play-in game, in a scenario where you've got you know one chance to prove yourself and where the, the, the other team is going to scheme against your greatest weaknesses. Uh, so, no, I'm not confident in the Charlotte Hornets' ability. They've got a lot of fantastic... Uh, players and and they've got a future ahead of them if they fix some of these issues. Not confident in the Hornets. Not confident in the Brooklyn Nets. Doug, the other Doug convinced oh. me. So I'm going to go Hawks, Raptors, <laughs> Celtics. Okay. <clears throat> Obviously, I'm going to say Celtics. 
because they're in a great spot. And I, I thought coming into the season that the Celtics were supposed to be a fourth, fifth seed. Maybe if certain things go right, you can jump up to third. Maybe if a couple of things go wrong, you drop to sixth. But this is kind of where I thought the Celtics were. They had a slow start. They got crushed by COVID, just like everybody did. But um, then they had the injury to Jalen Brown, and they it's just too much. And like I said before, this team was never built to to withstand injuries to Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, and they lost both of those guys to COVID, and they lost Jalen Brown to an extended injury. And so, throwing a new coach who's just starting to kind of make make some adjustments, and here we are. So I, I like where the Celtics are. I can't rule out the Toronto Raptors because Nick Nurse always seems to find a way. Those guys always <laughs> seem to find a way, man. They really are like the cockroaches of the East. You just can't get rid of these guys. <laughs> like I thought I got I thought I got the last one. You know, here they come again. So um I say that with all due respect. The Raptors are just so pesky. Mm-hmm. I okay, I don't trust Charlotte be- just because of that defense, like you said. I think Charlotte is just unable to defend the middle, and that that's too much, too porous. I'm going to go with Brooklyn in this last spot just because they do have that two and a half games. Atlanta is – Atlanta should be better than they are. Yes. <laughs> but I don't think – a team that's that young that has come into the season with the attitude of, Hey, we just went to the, you know, fine. We just went two games. We were two games away from the NBA finals. I think that attitude is something that just kind of is a permanent stink on the entire season. And if you haven't been able to pull out of it by now, I don't think the all-star break is going to be what pulls them out of it. I don't think there's any kind of, for some reason, just in watching teams like this in NBA history, they just can't shake it because there's always they're close enough where they're like, "Don't worry, we're going to do it. Don't worry, we're going to be okay." And then all of a sudden, there's going to be a reality that hits. Brooklyn, I think you're going to get Kevin Durant back just enough, just enough to hold on to that that eighth seed, and you're going to get that road. If it's as long as it's not Toronto, you're gonna get that road play in. You're gonna get Kyrie. I think I think Brooklyn can pull it out, and then the narrative will go crazy of like oh, Brooklyn, the most dangerous eighth seed, and then you're gonna lose in the first round of the playoffs. But uh, <laughs> but I I that that last playoff spot. I mean, it, it can really go any number of ways. I can't bring myself to eliminate the Brooklyn Nets. If KD is healthy at all for any two week stretch, because I've seen him come back from injury and all of a sudden just come in like he doesn't miss a beat. And then all of a sudden it's a winning streak. And and just just the Kevin Durant field winning streak is enough to hold on to that eighth seed. That that's gonna be I, I I'm not entirely confident in that, but that's where I'm gonna go with it. Um, all right. Well, that's, uh, I think that's a good spot to, to end it here. We'll see, uh, we'll see what happens. The buyout market could change things. The Drogic thing, I think does mean something. It does mean something. It's not insignificant. Uh, if there's a buyout guy out there and Charlotte picks up a big man somehow that, that could swing, that could swing that last spot. They're, or, they're- or, or they pick up 
if Jeremy Lamb gets bought out and they pick up Lamb <laughs> just to beat the Toronto Raptors, <laughs> there's the strategy. Three quarters court, he's deadly. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I mean, the Drogic thing is only going to make the Raptors want to beat the tar out of the Nets more because, boy, oh, boy, the clips of the Raptors guys just, like, rolling their eyes whenever Drogic would say it. It's kind of like when the, the Grizzlies kind of rallied around hating Iguodala. I think it's kind yeah. of a similar vibe with, uh, with Drogic <laughs> yeah. to Toronto. <laughs> Boy, that, thing, that thing was just a mess from the beginning. Wasn't it just, just like, from the start? It's uh, funny because what they could really use is a backup point guard who can shoot. Uh, it was kind of the thing they needed all season long. But hey, that young works too. Who need get more six foot eight guys? It's the yeah. dream, baby. <laughs> Versatile wings, right? That's the that's the theory. Uh, all right, guys, thank you so much um, to all of you. And who knows how things go? And like I said, in a week we could be having we could be doing a completely different show. So uh, appreciate it. Thanks to everybody watching. Uh, check out all of our individual podcasts throughout the, the rest of this stretch run because it's the only way you're going to get the in-depth local expert take on what's happening. So no matter who you came here as a fan of, if you're a fan of one of our podcasts, listen to the other guys because they're going to keep you up to date unlike anybody else. Thanks for watching on YouTube. Thanks for listening on the podcast. Thanks for subscribing and sharing the podcast and tell everybody to listen to the Lockdown Podcast Network.